With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here are your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. Welcome to Inside the Tour. I'm Nina Pantic, and I'm joined by Irina Falcone. Hey, guys. And today we have a special guest, Mark Philippousis. He is a two-time Grand Slam finalist. He's been in the top 10. Um, he's in his early 40s now, and he talks a lot about how he's adapted from being on tour and being a full-time tennis pro and now just being kind of a regular guy and figuring out his life post-tennis, which is kind of cool. And he also talks about Davis Cup, which is a hot topic right now because – this is the last time, I think, in history that they're ever going to play it the way that it's being formatted right now. The last Davis Cup of the original way it's been played will feature France against Croatia in November. And um, Mark Filipousas has a lot of thoughts about the changes. He's not happy about them. Sad. I mean, how could I be annoyed? But I'm just, just sad. And it's like, it's just, ouch. I mean, God, come on. Why? My God, why touch a piece of history? That's that's the plan for today, and Irina, um, we can talk a little bit about the Davis Cup semifinal because it saw America take on Croatia. What a gut-wrenching semifinal that was. you got to give it to Francis TFO for putting up such a battle, and I know he's probably going to be hurting for a little bit with this loss, but he gave it his all. He made his country proud, and honestly, I'm so proud of him and the way he, he performed out there. It was a cool honor for him because he's so young, he's 20, but he was taking on 21-year-old Borna Chorich, who kind of feels like a veteran compared to Tiafo. But it, it was it was a cool moment for him because, like I said, it's the last time it's going to be played in this format. Um, so Francis got the original experience of playing an away tie, a semifinal tie, coming down to the deciding rubber, going to a fifth set. I mean, it was mayhem and and so loud and so 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 supportive was the Croatian fans, and that's something that's going to be lacking next year. Um, but I think he did a pretty great job. I mean, he was up two sets to one. I do know that the scoreline was super strange. I think it was 7-6-1-6-7-6-1-6, and then uh, it was pretty tight in the fifth. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, to play anytime you're playing um, not in your country and to with those Croatian fans, I mean, they were pretty excited. I think it'll be interesting to see, as much as people are loving to hate on the changes and all that for next year, I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes down. So to break it down before Mark talks about it, because he talks about it quite a bit in our chat, I spoke with him in New York during the U.S. Open. What's happening is instead of having just 16 teams playing across the whole year, they're going to have 24 nations competing in home and away qualifying round in February with 12 people, 12 teams advancing. And then the main event will be held in November um, kind of around the same time as the Davis Cup final this year, and it's going to be in either Madrid or in Lille, France. And it'll have the 12 winners of that qualifying event playing against, joined by the four semifinalists. So that means the U.S. is already in, um, along with two wild cards, which is interesting because I don't know how they're going to decide on who to throw in there. And then the teams get split into six three-team groups for round robin, and there's a single elimination quarterfinal. I mean, it 
sounds really confusing because it is. Yeah, as you were describing it, I was like, I am totally lost and I can totally understand why there were so many people against it and why they were so vocal on the change and how many nations are not going to be able to support their players. It's really disheartening, to be honest. And yeah, it's I'm glad that we're already in the semifinals. This is America. But yeah, it's it's super strange. And now we're going to get to hear Mark Philippus's take on Davis Cup, on the changes and on his his career, he talks about injuries. He, um, like I said, he's a two-time Grand Slam finalist, uh, was number number eight in the world, and had to retire kind of early because of injuries, which is a shame. But he talks about that a lot, really openly and honestly. Um, and he talks about what he's up to now. He's well, working with a clothing company called Jacques, which makes men's athletic leisure type of clothing. Um, he's kind of the ambassador for them. And it's a pretty great chat. Here's Mark Philippoussis. Thank you for having me. You want to talk about where you are with your life, looking back on your career, talking about your company, obviously, that you're working with, the clothing brand. It's um, not my company. I, I wish I'd thought of this, but um, I was uh, contacted by a, uh, well, I'm going to say young kid. I can call anyone a young kid because I'm getting old, So, but um, actually I linked in a um, nice message, so I thought, you know, it doesn't hurt, you know, just to reply, and, um, and I'm glad I did, and he told me what he's working on, and, and um, a company called Jacques, and, and you know, he actually sent me out some samples, and I was blown away. You know, I feel like I have a good eye for quality and things that I that I, that I like, and this is really good. The quality is amazing because you have a lot of great companies. I feel like women out there where the quality is good for where you can, you know, like Lululemon, right? Um, but it's just ninety percent female driven, and there's not really anything for men where you can kind of have something that's a uh, quality uh, performance outfit. For this to be just focused on the men was, was very exciting for me. So what's your role, I guess, with the company? Are you the ambassadors, the helping uh, push it? Yeah, just, I, I, I guess, the, um, the ambassador of the, yeah, um, the ambassador of, of that tennis capsule, you okay. know, um, you know, being a, a tennis player and, and you know, not having any ties to any company. I don't wear anyone when I play. I play, I still play the Champions Tour and this and that. And the beautiful thing is kind of like, just wear whatever I feel more comfortable in. That's the, that's, that's the beauty about it these days. Um, whatever shoes I feel more comfortable with, that I like the most, I'll wear. And it's the same with, with the clothing. So that's why when I kind of saw this, it's like, man, I would buy this stuff. So, you know, if I spend my own money to buy something, it's kind of, you know, then, then I really like it. And when you when you first retired and left the tour, did you have a lot of things that you were jumping into, like projects like this is kind of like, I guess, you consider this a project of yours, or like, what, how was the transition when you moved from from being a top 10 player and then... Well, it was a little different time. for me because I was forced to retire because yeah. of injury, so it kind of wasn't, it wasn't like I was able to play out my career, and so it was, it was difficult because it was, I wouldn't say so emotional that, the, that my tennis career was over, um, because I was... I've been playing for a long time, and I, even though I felt like I played for years, I actually didn't play for that long when you think about it, because I became pro when I was 18, and and then I, you know, I had six, I had six new surgeries, but three on the on the main tour, and I missed out on almost two years of, of playing. So I played from 18 to literally 28. So I only played for eight years on the tour, seven to eight years on the tour, really kind of full full years, and then I last time I played was the end of 2006. So I missed out on a lot. So, um, but for me, you know, being a kid, you, you, as when you're eight years old, it's like all of a sudden you got a dream. You know, I'm ten, I want to become a virtual tennis player. It's kind of a beautiful thing at such a young age to know this is what you want to do. Because these days, there's so many kids that kind of 
still you go finish high school and sometimes they go to college because they don't know what they want to do yet. You know, so to find that passion and actually have a drive and, and, and have a vision at such a young age was a beautiful, beautiful thing and I felt like it helped a lot uh, for me, you know, helped me stay out of trouble as a kid and, and it just it's just good to have a dream and a goal. Um, so, you know, I did that and, and, and for me, you know, you eat, sleep, breathe tennis and I think when I made it at a certain stage, I... I Stopped eat, sleep, breathe. You know, of course, I would play, um, and, 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 you know, I was very, very proud of the things I achieved. But for me, my family and, and that life was always more important. Um, and, uh, so when it was over, I wasn't freaked out. You know, I was kind of, I don't want to say, I don't know, the, the, the word relieved would be wrong because, like I said, I, Unfortunately, I had to end the career because of injury. So, if one thing would have been nice is at least it would be nice to end on my own terms. You know, it's like okay, I've had enough, or you know, I'm slower, I'm a step or two slower, or these guys are just getting way better, or they're hitting the ball harder. Like I never had that opportunity. So when I stopped because of injury, it was I was just more mentally not in a good place. So it took me a while to find myself. Um, and I, the last thing I wanted to do was jump into anything. I just did nothing, to be kind of with you. Um, and there were a couple of, you know, there was kind of like some, you know, tough times, almost maybe, I would, I would say for sure, there was some depression for a few months where I just didn't leave my house. And then you finally go for a walk, hit bugs for a walk, and then all of a sudden the sky's blue, and you're like, you know what, that was beautiful. I'm going to go for another walk tomorrow. And the walk the next day was longer, you know, and then it just got, you know, it's okay, you know, it's, it's, life is amazing and I'm going to be okay. I'll find something to do because think about it. Since I was eight years old, you want to become a professional tennis player. That's it. So when it ends, it's like, what the hell are you going to, what am I going to do now? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I, I want to do something that I'm passionate about. I just don't want to do it because I want to do it. And I could never work for someone. I, I, I couldn't be me. I would, I just couldn't do it. Couldn't see myself doing it, I would be miserable. And the last thing I wanted to do was do anything that I wasn't passionate about. That's one thing I promised myself. I would never do anything I'm not passionate about. I would never waste my time again. Um, so, and, and and I'll be honest, I'm kind of, or well, still there, like I'm in an amazing place in my life. I, I, I physically, mentally, I couldn't be in a better place. I found my partner. Um, thank God I didn't settle. I found a very special person who is, I believe, for me, is, is my perfect partner in this world and, and we have two amazing, healthy, strong kids. We just had a baby girl three weeks ago. Um, we have a four-year-old boy. Things are amazing. I, I mean, knock on wood, uh, I couldn't have dreamed. Actually, I did visualize this. I dreamed this for myself. Um, and, you know, I do certain things. I play a Champions Tour now and, and I love playing a lot of exhibitions and I'm very lucky to be invited, you know, at the Grand Slams to play these doubles events and, and a lot of these singles events, and I still travel doing the stuff that I love doing. And the beautiful thing is, I actually fell in love with the sport all over the all over again because of these champion tour events, you know, um, where there's no pressure, there's no politics involved. You just get on the court and you play. And the result doesn't matter. And people don't really want to see you. Yeah, and the, it's more about entertaining the crowd, yeah. getting you know, making them laugh. You know, of course, still we're competitive. We want to hit the ball well and play well. At the end of the day, we have a drink together, we go out, we have dinner together, we've become so much more closer with these guys I used to play with because when you're on the tour, it's very difficult to open up. You have this shield, 
you know, because they're your opponents. You know what I mean? It's not like you play for a team sport unless you're at Davis Cup to do this story or doubles. Um, but you've got this you know, kind of this shield in front of you, and then that's gone when you retire. You know, and you get to know them on a personal level. They open up to you. We open up to each other about family, about business, about what's going on, projects. And then you go on the court and play, and it's like who cares after you have to joke around? It's done. So it's I fell in love with the sport all over again, and so I'm really excited and thankful that I'm able to do that still. And now definitely working on different projects now, um, little little things that. And, and, but but you know what though, trying to find that thing that I'm passionate about now. You know, I know that I want to create a business, whether it's a business or a product that that helps people and makes their lives easier, whatever that may be. I love the fashion industry. I actually started a t-shirt company in 2014 for a few years and had no idea what I was doing. Right. Got totally taken advantage of. Oh yeah, we'll build you this website. It's fifteen thousand dollars. Do I need fifteen? Oh yeah, because it's you know a magento and you can you can take up to a hundred over a hundred thousand SKUs and this and that. And it's like oh my god, I was ripped off left, right, and center. I had no idea. I was like oh sure yeah okay yeah yeah. And now looking back, um, so you know I had a t-shirt line and I loved I loved what I was doing and I was exciting, but I was driving down to LA. It was, it was made in LA. And I was driving down to LA. And my son was born, and then I had less time, and I wasn't checking on the production. And then, of course, no one's going to care about your product more than you, right? Yeah. And, and, and the quality started suffering. But it was actually starting to do well, and it was starting to blow up at the time when I stopped. Justin Bieber was wearing my tees. What? And it blew up there, and I had an email, and then people, I got something on Instagram. I guess someone who's got followers that every time you see a photo of people, they find out what he's wearing and they'll have the name and the price of where you can buy it. And I had it online, but the only, online, the only retail stores Barney's in New York. I had it in seven Barney New York stores in around the country. And, uh, and he was wearing one of my tees. So it blew up and I stopped making it. And then of course at the time when people were asking for it and it just got sold out the remaining stuff, uh, stores and, uh, and I just didn't do anything again. I, I said I was going to, but, um, that's still pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, well, it was, you know, it was cool because I had no idea how he got it. I mean, in hindsight, that's pretty legit. When you look back on your career, so there was a bit of a period you're saying where you went from finishing your career, not knowing what you're going to do, and then now things are really going great. Mm-hmm. I think having a transition period is really natural because you do, like you said, like you do the tennis from the age of eight or sometimes right. you're three, and that's all you do. Yes. So there's like a thing where you're just going through these waves and you're like, okay, I hate this, I'm over it, I don't want to play anymore, and then you come back and you're like, oh, this is actually yeah. cool being good at something. When, when you're young, when you're a kid, you don't, you realize how much you don't know, you know, and you think you've got everything figured out. And I remember in an interview, God, I, I'm almost embarrassing saying this, you know, where do you see yourself till I was 18 years old? Where do you see, see yourself in 10 years old? Oh, well, I'm going to, you know, I'd like to win a couple of grand slams and, uh, and then I'll probably retire at 28 and maybe do some acting. You know, I had it all figured out. Like, I'm looking back at her and I see that. I'm like, oh my God, I'm an idiot. You know, God, just shut up. <laughs> and, uh, oh, um, so, uh, well, I got one part right now. You know, I, re- I retired almost at, uh, pretty much at 28. No Grand Slam titles, lost the finals twice, US Open and Wimbledon. Well, that's still so. pretty good. Yeah, no, look, I'm proud. Um, do you look back fondly on those? Because US Open final, Wimbledon final, I mean, those are both pretty I do, big. look, uh, my, my proudest moment, without a doubt, has been winning two Davis Cup. Um, 
for uh, championships for for um, tires for for my country. You know, it was 1999. We beat France in Nice away, so that was huge. We had a huge underdogs then, and then 2003 we beat Spain in the final in Melbourne on grass. So we, we weren't favourites going in, but, but those two wins, uh, without a doubt, my my proudest moments. Um, you know, two finals, Grand Slams, my. Wimbledon was always my dream. I, I, I clearly remember staying up as a kid, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and watching Wimbledon. You know, it was the only time I was allowed to stay up. You know, and watching it, and I remember seeing this teenager Boris Becker win. You know, age of seventeen and eighteen, I remember Pakash winning, and the dream was just you know playing on that centre court. You know, winning Indian Wells. They call it the fifth grand slam of the year, but it's not some Master Series event. But uh, I'm, I'm very proud of the things I've achieved. And you played Roger Federer in the Wimbledon final. I did. That's pretty cool. It was cool. It was but cool. But at the time, you didn't know. Was I mean, 2003? He was, always, he was still pretty I mean, good. It's, it's a kid, the guy who was number one junior in the world, and, and, and who was always one of the guys where he was always next to come up to, to, to be a great player, right? Um, I don't think ever, ever anyone thought he'd be yeah. to achieve what he's achieved. It's incredible, but you know that I was I played him. We played at around 16 at the German Open less than a month before, around a month before, and I beat him in three sets there. So going into grass, quite honestly, it's my favorite surface. I felt like I was favorite to win. I felt very confident. And, and no matter what surface I played, who I played, I walked on the court feeling, look, I should be winning. That's how it should be. Uh, very, very confident in my ability, but that. Um, you know, I, I got on that the first set was very important as far as momentum. You know, he wanted a tiebreaker, I was up a mini break and a tiebreaker. Felt like if I'd won that that would have been complete you know, might have been a completely different story because of momentum, you know. Two weeks, long two weeks. I ended up playing, I think, my match round sixteen, I beat Agassi six four in the fifth. It was a long match and then my quarterfinals, I was down two sets love and one. Eight six in the fifth, so I actually was on the court of maybe I think around four hours more than him, five hours more over the course of the two weeks. Um, but you know, finals you got to find a way, right? You know, everyone's tired. So, but that first set was very very important um, as far as momentum. I think it was like six four and six. Um, yeah, um, it was a tough one. It was a tough pill to swallow. Make my way to the final, um, and, and having to watch some, you know, someone else walk, do that lap, you know, holding up that trophy was, was very, very difficult. But proud because, to be honest, a few years ago, um, I had my third knee surgery and I wasn't, I was told never to play pressure tennis again. You know, I had a microfracture surgery, I had bone on bone. You know, I was in a wheelchair for two and a half months and then crutches for a month and a half. I was, you know, practicing in the wheelchair and, you know, it took me, I was out for, Nine months and, and came back, you know, from you know, 100 to 8 in less than a year from a ranking back. So I'm very proud of that too, you know, to have had that opportunity to come back. It was, it was very emotional for me because I've gone through a lot, you know, physically and mentally too. You know, coming back from injuries, it's more of a, a um, it takes a toll you mentally. You know, physically, you can always come back, but it's like, yeah. you know, mentally to say, okay, wake up, a therapist is there, you know, in the gym. Therapist again, you know, icing, massage, you know, to have that commitment. Um, you wake up, you do everything you can, and then you go 
you're just like, you wake up and do the same thing you do that for you know, six months. It just takes a toll on you. And I think at that stage, you know, when I had that, the first surgery on my right knee, and then I come back to play again, uh, you know, that's why I said to myself, I'm done. I just I don't have it in me. I just don't have the passion. You know, I just don't want to do it. That's, that's what happens. You played 2003, so it's it's still a little bit of a different era, I guess, in a way, but people are playing deep into their 30s. Like, without injuries, yes. maybe you would have been playing five I, more I years. I definitely would have been playing a few, uh, quite a few more years, because I think uh, one of the good things is w- with, my, with my game is I was able to get a lot of cheap points very quickly because of my weapons. It was my serve and my forehand, right? And I think a lot of the players you see playing in their 30s have weapons, can... can Shorten up the points when they need to. You know what I mean? Um, and so for me, sort of bowling or a chip and charge, you know, I'm not the guy that stays back and grinds in the baseline. I was never me anyway. You know, I was always putting the pressure on. I serve volley when I had to. Got grass was first and second serve. And the hard was and faster services. It was, depending on who I played, you know, it was 50% at least on the, on the first serves and 25% on the second, 30% on the second. So, uh, I could, get easy points, cheap points. So I think when you're able to do that, prolong yourself in that sport, find a way a lot longer than mm-hmm. other guys can. For instance, like a Ferrer, right? Incredible champion, what he did, he took his, his, his game to that next level, you know, and what he achieved was incredible. But it's like, that guy, you know, this is like the last guy you wanted to see on the court because you knew it was just going to be a battle, you know, from the first point to the last point, Right. He'd run everything down and he didn't miss a ball. Just, he would be, you know, if he had to stay there seven hours, he'd stay out there seven hours. But to take that toll, you know, Michael Chang, you can't do that in your thirties. Because the game gets stronger, guys hit the ball harder, and they sort of start hitting three, you know what I mean? And, and, and even if you do get to those balls, the replies of those balls will be a lot shorter, and the guys are just putting you away. And that's what ends up happening, and they realize that. And then it's like, okay, so it's time to go. You know, they just start getting worked and they're losing matches to players they should never normally lose to. And then, you know, it's time. With the injuries thing, is it, looking back, is it almost not like a scapegoat, but like, okay, I was injured so I didn't achieve this and this and this, or is it like, I no, wish I wasn't injured because I would have achieved this and this No, and this. not at all. It's your reality though, like, no matter what. Yeah, I wouldn't think either way, to be quite honest with you. It's not because a couple of times I was injured. It was just luck, dumb luck. It was put on what, what you make, you know, call it what, what you will, call it universe, call it whatever it is. It happened, right? But there were other times when I was injured because I wasn't in the best physical shape. It was my fault. You know, um, first time it was, it was lightning. You call it dumb luck. I mean, I was feeling incredible that when it was quarterfinals, I was playing Pete Sampras. Um, I had won the first set, break point up. And I hit a backhand on my back foot like I've done thousands of times before since I was six, eight years old, seven, six years old. And I tear my, my lateral meniscal uh, on my knee, meniscus. Boom. You know, I'm up the set, a break, and I have to pull out, you know, court finals against Sampras. Who knows? I maybe would have lost the next three sets. Maybe I would have won that match, gone. Who knows what would have happened? But that's just, my God, that's just, very unlucky, you know, and then there's times when, okay, maybe I was a little heavier, or maybe I wasn't as light as I could have been, and, and, and the pressure, because I'm a big guy, I'm 6'5", you know, uh, on, on, on the lighter days, or you know, when I 
was in good shape. Um, you know, I was around 210 anyway because I was carrying some muscle. I had, I was actually a big guy, 210 to 15 pounds. And at the time, I was 222 in the court. You know, that extra seven pounds running around, five sets on hard course. There's a lot of pressure on the joints. Um, and so that, that's on me. You know, and other times it's just dumb, dumb, dumb luck, you know. You mentioned Davis Cup as the career highlights. You won two of them. Are you annoyed with the changes that's happening? I mean, sad. I mean, how could I be annoyed? But I'm just, just sad. And it's like, it's just, ouch. I mean, God, come on. Why? You know, make the changes to the tennis and things. Fine. Tennis has become so much, so, so much of a business nowadays. It's completely different than what it was when I used to play. But my God, why touch? piece of history, why touch something that just has such a huge sense of history? I mean, I mean, my God, it's, it's, they've ruined something so important. They've ruined something that, look, if you're too tired to play for your country, it's, it's on you. If you're tired and you need a break, they'll find something else, they'll find other players, and then they, it's happened in history before where the other players have stepped up when the top guys have been injured or didn't want to play and all of a sudden have created amazing plays because of that. You know, and, you, and that's what Davis Cup is about. Anything can happen on that day. You're playing on home soil or away. You have that, you have 12,000 people screaming for you or you have 10, 12,000 people against you. That's the beautiful thing about Davis Cup. And you have kids coming up who will never be able to feel that, you know, to experience that. And I feel sorry for them, you know, and I feel sorry that they'll never get an opportunity to do that. Um, it's just, it hurts. It, it, honestly, it's heartbreaking, and, but it's also like, for me, it's like, why? Why mess with that? There's so many other things you guys can do to shorten up, for other guys to play less matches, do something with the calendar, but it's just become such a business. It's just all about money now. You know, now they're willing to, to mess with something, nothing's off the table now. If you're willing to change something that I honestly thought, you know what they're talking about, that's not going to happen. Like, they couldn't possibly do that. All of a sudden it happened, it's like, what? Well, I'm just happy I get, you know, got a chance to play when, when he was around to experience that because growing up playing tennis in Australia, honestly, he was, the dream was to play tennis cup as a tennis player in Australia because he had such a strong, rich history of Davis Cup. You know, all the legends at those times playing. I mean, my God, go through the names of all the legends we had. My God, and Davis Cup was, was right on top of that with the winning bracelets. Honestly, you know, people ask me what I traded crowd at Davis Cup for a bracelet. I'll never get to know what it feels like. I've got a pretty good idea of what it feels like to win a Grand Slam. But my God, that feeling of winning at Davis Cup. To share it with your teammates, you know, with your coach, your captain, your country, and, and these kids will never feel that. And I just feel, feel sorry for them. It's a, it's a big change. I, I guess it was because they weren't getting the big names, but they might not still get the still big names. still getting names. I mean, these yeah. stadiums were packed. Yeah. I'll still get the names, please. It's a business. It's a business. And... So you just Australia had has had legends and, and waves kind of in these big incredible players, kind yeah. of like the US, kind of ups and downs and right now and right now there's there's the Nick Kyrgios, there's the Alex Demonor, there's there's so many different talents. How do you feel about Australia's maybe not Davis Cup chances if you're still mad at the whole change, but it just in general like there's been there's some talent. Just not There is. You know, honestly top five. Um the kid I'm excited about 
He's Dimino. I mean, this is a kid who played an unbelievable match against Chilich. Two sets to love, a break in the... Two sets to love in a break? I'm not sure, but he definitely has a break in the fifth. I mean, there's fast, and then there's, like, fast. This kid's fast, man. He's so young. He's so fast. And um, and he's just got a good mind for the game. You know, his mind and his heart is just... He's going to max out his game, you know, all his ability for what he can get for. For sure, he's going to squeeze every last drop out of his game, um, and that's what he's doing. And he's just going to get, and also he's going to get stronger physically, which is going to help him. Because right now he hasn't got that pace in the ball. He needs to grow physically, which he will in the next few years. And, and I feel like he'll still be as fast and hit the ball a little harder, and then he will, you know, kind of put that all together. You know, learn how to use his game a little bit more, um, and he just needs to try and hurt guys a little bit more. Um, it's just the defense, because right now his defense is incredible, and guys are, you know, they're just pushing, 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 and they're just missing because he's so quick, you know, but he needs to be able to hurt guys as well, and, and it's about like what I spoke to, right, you know, uh, you know, shorten the points where you need to sometimes, because he's got tired of it, I don't care how fast you are, you're going to get tired, and you need to finish the kid. Um, but, you know, he's a guy I'm, I'm the most excited about, you know, I'm not going to say curious, because... I'm sick of watching that guy just do what he's doing. You know what I mean? It's and like he's, he's given Australia kind of a bad rep. You're used to seeing someone like Dimonar, who's like the opposite yeah. mentally, the opposite commitment-wise, the opposite dedication. You're just like, Look, man, a bad I rep. I want to see that kid do well. You know, it's I, I want to see everyone do well. Everyone deserves to do as well as you work your ass off for, right? Um, and when you see, yes, he's talented. It's not like, oh, my God, he's got talent we've never seen before. He's talented. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of talented people out there. He's talented. He's hitting shots. He's, he's hitting shots we've never seen before. It's because no one else would do those stupid shots during a match. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, he's hitting them for winners because no one else is going to try those shots. No one warms up and hits 10 shots between the legs. All the top players can hit shots, you know, for winners like that. They just don't do it because it's stupid. They're more interested in winning the matches, not interested in having play of the day. But fortunately, he's more interested in having play of the day and then posting on his Instagram. That's the reality of it. I'm not saying anything that's just not true. You know? Hey, why don't you post you winning that last point and holding up that trophy? That's That, that would be really cool to have on an Instagram post, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you get more likes? You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead definitely. of guys that you... You're the best, dude. You're the man, dude. You're the man. You know? It's like, God. It's been tough to that's watch. The stuff, that's the stuff that I can't stand. Thank God there was no Instagram when I played. Thank God we didn't have cameras in our phones when I used to go out. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, but that's what it is. You know, that's what it's become. You know, you've got your coaches, your agents now, and you've got a coach, and you've got therapists, which you need, but then you've got a You've got someone who takes care of your Twitter feed. You've got someone who takes care of your Instagram feed. I mean, you know, just play the game. And but that's what it is. That's the reality of it. And and, and this thing with, with, with Kyrgios is like, he's not a bad kid. He's a good kid. And then you've got such a following looking up to, these, looking up to someone like that. It's like, God, Nick, you don't understand the opportunity you have. You've got to understand when it's too late. You know what I mean? You're gonna get it when it's too, and that's if he's ever gonna get it. He might never go. He might never get it. He might be 30 years old and never get it. He might be 40. He might be 50, and then he might still be the same 
frame of mind is like, I don't care, dude. Maybe. But you know what? If that's what makes him happy, then you've got to respect that and be good for him. But I can't sit here and say, hey, I'm excited about him because I'm just not excited anymore. That's the reality, you know? I'm just not. I'm seeing, I'm just watching this kid blow it and I like, I like him and I just, I don't want to sit and watch this happen because it's like, ah, oh, it just, it, it gets to start at a point where it kind of hurts to watch it and it's like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm just going to turn away now, you know? Um, but then you have, you know, Kokonakis, who, this talented kid, who's a good kid, but he's been very unlucky with his injuries. Um, and, and I actually hit a lot of balls with him. And, and, and if he stays healthy, I promise you, this kid's top 30, top 20 player. And, and see, the difference is once you get to top 20, then it becomes about who's willing to go that extra mile, right? Who's willing to go those two other levels? Because everyone has talent. Everyone works hard. The difference is that top 10, these guys just take to a level. You know, they eat, sleep, breathe. Tennis is nothing else. You know, once they get off the court, it's like they take care of their bodies first. You know, they need to recover first for their next match. What are they eating? What are they putting to their bodies? You know, going back to the hotel, room service. They're really thinking about everything. And, and that's the difference between the top 10 guys to the bottom of you. That's the difference. You know, I'd, I'd gladly put money in a guy that wanted it more, and with like a Ferrer, than a guy who was like a Curios. Because I know that you know, Curios might win 6-2, they'll set 6-3, but all of a sudden they'd be back to 5 all, and all of a sudden, if you had to dig deep, I'll put the money in the guy that leaves his heart out there. You know what I mean? And that's the difference between those top 10 guys who's going to stay out there for 5 hours, not just for one match. But the seven matches, best of five sets. That's why you'll have Nick winning a few tournaments a year because of his talent and his shot making ability and he'll put it all together in a week. You know what I mean? And win a lot of free points. But to, put, but to do that for two weeks in the best of five sets, it's just not going to happen because he's not physically or mentally strong enough. No one here to make a run. You'll get into the second week of Grand Slams. But you're not going to get any further than that. You know, that's the difference with these guys that just do everything they can to make sure that, you know, how can I win this next match? You know, what do I have to do to get ready? You know, order whatever food that comes to my room because I'm going to leave my hotel room until my legs are better. I'm getting in that ice bar. You know what I mean? And, and that's what it's about. What's your interest level in, in, you know, maybe mentoring or coaching? Have you been involved in any of the players in Australia? Have you been? Um, I haven't. I, I, you know, for instance, uh, Kokonakis, you know, I'm in contact with him. He's, he's, he's a good kid. Um, and my door's always open. Hey, Alex, and you're going to come and have a training week. I'm in the same place. You know, I'll jump on the call with you. Not, uh, no problem at all. Um, I, I would have interest. It depends, right? Like, I'm in a different place in my life, so I have no interest in getting back on the tour fully. But if it's the Grand Slams and the big events, um, I would have interest in working with someone. It depends who that person was. You know, I didn't want to, I have no time to waste. So you have to be with someone that is a complete professional who's not going to waste their time, plenty of time, um, who's not going to be abusing me, sitting in their box. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm out of there, you know. You know, no time to someone turning around at me and tell me, tell me to F off. Like, I just, like, it was my fault. He used to pull hand. So, uh, it would be, it would be with someone that, that I think that I'd feel 
that I, I, I like as a person and that I'm excited to work with. Is there other stuff that you're working on right now? Um, there is, there is. There's um, a couple of friends, women friends in Australia working on a, um, a nitro coffee drink, really drink coffee drink. I, I love coffee. So I want to get into the coffee industry and, and do something there. Um, so there is. And, 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 uh, and, and just with other projects, you know, down the line, I have, yeah, I think I have always loved design, you know, real estate and that, and then do some project with friends of Australia, commercial property, but, but little things that just excite me, to be honest with you. But I definitely want to keep myself busy. You know, I want to, it's important to wake up and be passionate about what you do. You know, like I said, as an 18 year old, you think, oh, I'm just going to do nothing. When you don't have anything to wake up to, to be excited about it, it's actually it's quite miserable, you know. But, but I mean, I'm waking up passionate, of course, number one, about my family, about my kids, my wife, about my, my kids. That's number one, my number one passion, and my number one motivation, my number one drive. That's everything to me. You're based in San Diego. Has that been for a while now? Yeah, I've been in San Diego, uh, kind of was in Florida, San Diego since 2003, and then went back, moved around back to Florida, and then... Full time since 2009 in San Diego, but next year we're moving back to Australia. Really? Family. Yeah, two kids, you know, our families, my wife's family's in Melbourne, my family's in Melbourne. You've got two kids to have that, that support, that family support with the kids is, is very important. You know, I want to see my kids grow up next to, you know, next to their family, next to their cousins, and that, aunties and uncles, so. Uh, Your wife's Australian too, you guys met Australia. She, yeah, she, she's from Melbourne, which is fantastic, but uh, I'm just excited about, you know, for me, family is everything. It's honestly everything, and then just, I just want to, you know, when you get older, it's just, you want to spend less time with your family. You know, we're still going to travel, which is beautiful, and go to the Grand Slams and travel a fair bit, but as a unit, you know, and if I do have to leave, and they're home, they're not on board in two weeks, you know what I mean? They're with family, she's got the support right now when I leave. What's your son's interest in tennis? He um, knows his dad plays tennis, but he's doing everything. You know what? Um, I've got him. He loves playing basketball, which I'm very happy about. I love basketball. He's good at basketball. He's just a natural athlete. And his kids, he's four years old, the size of a six-year-old. They're buying shoes for him like every two weeks. It's a joke. Dad, these are hurt. I'm like, I just got these for you like two weeks ago. But they hurt. I'm like, oh, my God, more shoes again. So Well, like, you're 6'5", so yeah. it's probably going to be over. My wife's 5'10". So, so, yeah. And I said, you know, Grace, it's my wife. I was like, I think our little girl's going to be a tomboy because we've got lots of shoes for her, lots of cool <laughs> shoes for my little girl. But um, but he plays soccer. We've got him in soccer camps. He's played basketball camps. Um, he loves surfing with Daddy, which is great because surfing is a huge passion of mine. I get him on the court. I don't push him, though. If he says, Daddy, want to go on the court, I'll take it. And then I've probably got 10 minutes of his time, you know, before he loses it. It's kind of this why do you throw that racket? Like, don't you throw that racket throw it, we're leaving, and, uh, you know, so I wanted to be gentleman on the court here to play tennis, and, um, and then he actually, which I'm very excited about, he starts baseball camp next month, T-ball, I love baseball, you know what, so, really? well, I mean, all you've got to do is rock up to the plate, hit a ball, or sit down and get up, and you get, you know, $90 million for just, you know, sit, standing up for like... 10 seconds of hitting a ball and running to a base. I'll take that any day of the week. That's then. so true. You know? Maybe you, a little fat. And you've got an off-season, you know, and you don't travel anywhere. You just, within a few hours, you travel with a team, and then, you know, tennis is no off-season. You leave it out of a suitcase. Let me tell you, man, tennis is an incredible sport, and I'm blessed, and, and I'm still 
and the people I've met, I'm still meeting. It's incredible. I love it. But it is tough. You know what I mean? People see the glamour side of, of everything. Right? You all of a sudden sell them on Instagram. The guy's got his Rolls Royce and his private plane and his mansion. You don't see, you know, he didn't see, he didn't post all those times when he grinded for 22 years in his company, right? He was up four in the morning, going to sleep at 1 a.m. And not sure if it would work. Exactly, you know. Kids don't see that. No. They just see. Success. The, they don't they see just the, said, the so risk. That's what it is, right? Yeah. And then you post it, and all of a sudden they have a million followers, they're traveling this, they've got no idea, you know? And I think the same with tennis, it's, it's incredible. It's must, it must be the only sport in the world, there's no off-season. There's really other sport where there's literally no off season. Your off season is a month and a half, like during December. And they're cramming stuff in there as well. But if you end up making the, the final eight and you're in, you know, the, the ATP champions, then you've got two and a half weeks. Or if you make Davis Cup final, you literally got two weeks off. You know, that year on a feature in the world, I had two weeks off and made the Davis Cup final. You know, and it's like you, Australian Open is supposed to be like, okay, ready and then all fresh. You're just doing the best you can, but you're not fresh. This is the off season, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to change things, but get rid of Davis Cup is not the answer. No, you know, and all of a sudden they're asking for less time. Well, we've been asking for less tournaments since I was playing. They're not going to do that because we're losing money. They're not taking money off the table. And what happens is you've got to play all the Grand Slams, right? You've got to play all the Master Series events. You get fined if you don't play the Master Series events. Plus, you want them because that's where all the points are. You know, you want to do well, you win one of those. That's a thousand points. That's, that's huge. You're literally top ten. But then the weeks where you have a week off, normally you have a week off, that's, that's when the 500 series events on or 250 series events on. And that's when the serious appearance fees come in. That's where you get all the appearance money. And the, the week you decide, oh, like, you know what, I'm going to have a week off. Adrian is like, well, they're offering you two hundred thousand dollars. Like, shit. Well, maybe I shouldn't have a week off. Maybe it'd be like the next. But that's that's reality, you know. And now it's even more money on the table than what it was before. You got guys, guys and girls get injured playing first round of Grand Slams because the first rounds. What is it? Fifty-four thousand. Are you kidding me? Fifty-four thousand. I mean, to get fifty-four thousand was like when I played was like round of sixteen or something. Third round. Just for showing up. Just for showing up. That's why these guys play injured because they're getting 50k, they're staying playing mixed doubles and doubles, and they're leaving with $80,000 and they're going home four days later. Of course. You know what I mean? Strong payday. Back in the day, you had guys not even playing Grand Slams if they were not even, you know, because it wasn't even about the money, but now everything's about the money. Now they've got that thing in place that if you pull out or something like that, they'll, they'll, they'll take give the you money a bit, away. Yeah. But now what's even crazier is if you are injured and you're in the main draw and you pull out, they'll give you they'll half give you. of the first. Are you kidding me? They'll give you half for playing. Like, my God, <laughs> now you're getting paid for not even playing? You know, it's like maybe I should have played a little bit longer. It's a joke. Oh, don't even get me started. How long is this podcast? But anyway, <laughs> but that's, that's what's happening, you know? probably wish you were born 10 years later. That's, you're uh, rolling in the dough. Not even that, like, like I said, because I'm not a, I'm not an Instagram person. I don't even no. know as a vlog. Like, I didn't, I didn't have a, I definitely don't have a Facebook. I mean, I turned that thing off like 10 years ago. I think it's Instagram right now that the thing to do. To don't do even it. have a Twitter because I'm not a words person. 
I, I am a visual, I'm a visual person. So for me, I, I follow my friends, checking out what to do with their family or loving, checking out, you know, companies that I love, surf companies, cool clothing companies or people that inspire me. The surfing thing. How good are you? Oh, I, I, like, do you have a I, bunch of boards? Do you travel and oh, surf? Have Where do you surf? That's I have like a lot awesome. of boards that I need. Really? That way. You know, I'm one of those guys that, well, I look at surfboards as a piece of art. You know what I mean? So I'll have them. Uh, you can only surf one at a time, but I have like 12, 13 boards, 14. But there's different boards of different conditions, yeah. you know, too. But also there's, there's shapers that I love. And, and I just love their designs. So, but you're uh, good. You can like full on. Oh, I'll get up. Let's, yeah. Is there a certain I'm height of wave? But I just always think about the different levels, like recreational levels. Like what? Is there I'm, a certain like wave height where you're like, I'm not going to go out there? Or are you always going to go? I'm certain ways, maybe a foot overhead, two foot overhead. You okay. know, if I stand up. That's pretty good. Uh, it'll be like, it'll be like right now. Yeah. But, 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 and then it, but it depends what it's doing, right? If it's that big as well and it's kind of crumbling, it's different. But when it's pitching, it's like, okay. I love this sport, but I'm not going to freaking die for this sport. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. I love this thing. I'm not going to die for it. But the problem is a lot of my good friends are pro surfers, some of the best in the world. So I'll go out with them. I've been on boat trips with the best in the world. And, and they've got, you know, you know guy, two video guys, two camera guys, and then the waves are pumping. It's really, it's like you're in the tropical, right? You're in the Maldives. So when you're about to take off, the water's so clear. It looks like it's a foot deep, the reef, but it's not. It's like six, seven feet deep, but because it's so clear, sorry, my God, it messes with you. <laughs> well, like, are you freaking crazy? You do this for a living. I don't want to die. Just go, just go, and then you'll go, and then you'll hit the reef, and you know, and you'll get scratched up, but you're fine. But it's because these guys are really, you know, people don't realize how good of an good athlete surfers are. I mean, these guys are athletes, I and mean, they're doing stuff that... And they're... People that no idea about. They have balls. Yeah, because we miss a a forehand. Who cares? We miss a forehand, you know, or we get tagged at the net by a ball. Who cares? These guys are surfing waves that if you miss up, you you could, your life could be in jeopardy for sure. So I'll surf. I love it. And I'll put myself in risk, but it's like I have a sense of no, you know, where, like, I'll look at the conditions, like, okay, you're not paddling out. Like, you shouldn't be out there right now. Don't paddle out. Just sit on the beach and enjoy it. Watch these guys surf. So I'll know, but, but I will push myself to, like, limit that because I love it so much. But I want to get good at it. Yeah. You know, I want to get good enough where you're dropping in late and you get barreled and you come out. Like, I want to get as good as I possibly can because it's such a huge passion of mine. You know? So. It's a very cool passion. It's my meditation. You know, there's, there's days I wake up and if I'm like, I'll snap at my wife getting grumpy. It's like, baby, go for a surf. You know, you're grumpy. You know, and then I'll come out of the water and I'm like, oh, thanks, baby, I needed that. You know, it's like. Um, yeah, so let's, let's close with Jock. Um, why should people look for it, buy it, follow it? What's the best part? I think for me as a person, uh, as a customer, when, you know, if I love a product, um, you know, if I find something that I love, I'm, I'm kind of I'm very loyal, right, about certain brands. I'll just stick with my certain brands. I'll stick with my restaurants. I'll go there. I'll know I'll love these pancakes. I eat these. I'll, I'll order the same thing, right? It's the same thing with brands. I'm very loyal to brands. Um, number one, it's all about being comfortable. Like, if I'm not comfortable, I don't care how beautiful the, the product is or what it is. If I'm not comfortable, just not comfortable. Like, why am I going to put it on, right? Number two is the quality. I'm not going to buy something for something to last. Um, it's just quality, you know, and comfort. 
um, the way it's designed to fit on me. It's very important. But I would say I'd love I'd love people to check it out, grab it, touch it, feel it, wear it. You'll be blown away. Uh, honestly, I was, especially if you're a guy. And there's a lot of guys out there who have been looking for something that 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 women have had years with Lululemon. That this is specifically for guys training the guy on the go that 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 wants to work out, but before it works out, go meet. You know, I've got a good meeting, and, and, and you look good in this stuff in the meeting, and you're comfortable, and then you can go and sweat in it. But then, you know, when you're not in the rush to get changed, sometimes you wear that stuff when it stinks. If you don't change in two seconds, it stinks. You know what I mean? You know that the full of polyester stuff. Of course, yeah. And, and sometimes it's just you don't. Know, have a change with you or you're going to go and meet someone else for a coffee right after and you don't want to stick and, 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 and the fabric is just it's top top line fabric and it breathes and it doesn't smell um, it's that odor thing where it doesn't smell as well but um, and where uh, can you where can you find it online I think right now it's only on, on, um, online jacnyc.com j-a-c-q-u-e-s NYC.com. And hopefully, hopefully it'll be in Barney's soon. York Warrior, it's nice to, right now, I think it's anywhere you can go and check it out. Yeah, hopefully touch it. Hopefully you'll be able to walk into a Barney soon and check it out. We'll see, not yet. See if we can make that happen. Great. Well, thank you for your time. Well, thank you this for your has time. Been, this has been great. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, everyone, that was Mark Philippoussis. Um, like I said, we got to talk with him at the U.S. Open, and it was a great honor and really, really enjoyable to hang out with him for almost an hour I got of his time, which is nice. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. He talks about all kinds of things about his career and Davis Cup. Covers a lot of bases for sure. Um, that's it for the Inside the Tour podcast. I've been Nina Pantic. And this is Irina Falcone. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode, so stay tuned for more. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 